Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Sports Reports as Ordered. I am your co-host, Mike Wilson, and you can find me on Instagram at MLDub25. You can find me at Twitter on 25BitReports. And I got Raphael Brutley here with me as always, ready to talk some sports. What's going on? Like he says, Raphael Brutley, you can find us together on Instagram at Sports Reports as Ordered. That's sports underscore reports underscore as underscore ordered. I can see the emblem there. We'll be posting clips. Uh, maybe if we say something funny, if we come over a little tagline, just you'll get the information there and you'll be able to connect to our Twitter and other means to watch our videos or YouTube clips. And then we're going to drop it all on Instagram and we're going to go from there. But yeah, so you know, it's a nice little Tuesday. We had a nice little sports weekend. Like I said, me and Mike, we, we talk sports all the time, even though, even if we didn't have these cameras, we talk it, we were talking it when we met in leadership school, we were supposed to be talking about homework, we're arguing about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, this is when Peyton Manning was in Denver, so you know, it, it just was a, you know, so we've, we've done this a lot, so I'm just continuing another episode, and uh, we'll go from there, so Mike, being the moderator, is going to set it up, <laughs> and try to knock it out of the park. Yeah, the only difference between now and leadership school is we don't have the four locos, you know. So okay. uh, <laughs> more gray hairs, kick more in. gray hairs, more less gray hair, hair, all that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, today we're gonna talk a little bit about media hypocrisy from the standpoint of who they give passes to and who they hammer. You know, in the same situation, who do they overhype but not hold accountable? We're gonna talk about the trade in the NBA that allegedly rocked the world. Rui Hachimura to the Lakers for three second-round picks and something called Kendrick Nunn. Now, let me stop being disrespectful. For Kendrick Nunn, you know, upset Wizard fan here, but, you know, we'll get to that. Then we're going to talk about the play-in. We talked about the 12-team college football playoff a few episodes ago, talking about were we for it, were we against it. So this time we're going to turn it into the NBA play-in tournament for the playoffs. Who's for it, who's against it, and why? Next thing we're going to do is we did some search, and I got to make fun of myself, too, because full disclosure, I picked Buffalo and the Rams in the Super Bowl. But we went on a search, you know, to find some takes that were out there preseason and one midseason that was just, why did y'all even think that? So I'm going to make fun of myself, too, so we're not just picking on everybody else. And then, of course, we're going to finish it off with get off your chest, you know. So we're going to get here started with Raph. He's going to let us know about this media and what's on his mind. All right, media. Now we're trying to be a part of it, trying to have this conversation. Why is it a negative response to a sporting event over the weekend? Every single weekend is like, who blew it? Who ruined your trust more? Who would you get rid of? Who needs to be fired? What happened to this guy? We all who they thought they were all <laughs> Did they win it or did this team lose it? <laughs> it's like, did this team win it? This team lose it? Did this person give it away? It is, it, did they, you know, it just, it blows my mind. And then, if we do the simple math, like I said, there's four major sports leagues. You know, if you're throwing a soccer, that's fine. There's only one champion per. So if you're a pundit and you're watching the NBA, NFL, baseball, whatever the case may be, and you're like, oh, this is a championship of bus year, and you say that about multiple teams, it's like, how was that realistic? How was it realistic for 
four or five teams, but only one team can win the championship per sport that is championship or bust. And I want to get on Buffalo. Yes, they played a game in the snow against Cincinnati at home. For some reason, everyone treats that as reasons that they should win, as if Ohio isn't also an outdoor cold weather team. The Bengals don't even have an indoor training facility in Ohio, and it gets cold there too. So people make it seem as if this advantage for Buffalo because, oh, they're an outdoor team and they should have dominated Cincinnati. And they're like, no, these are all football players from all over the country, and they happen to play games on the opposite side of some bodies of water. Still cold on each place. Then Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals, went to the Super Bowl last year. They represented the AFC last year in the Super Bowl. They didn't lose much. They, they're not paying Joe Burrow a lot of money yet. They're not paying Jamar Chase. So that Super Bowl team, they had opportunities to add pieces with the money that they spent. Buffalo gave Josh Allen like $235, $240 million. That cost them a little bit here and there. They have, you got to lose a position on player here. So I'm not you know giving them a pass but at all. But if we just look at it objectively as a sports fan, you're like, okay, well, one team came in with their core group of players who went to the Super Bowl last year, who was, I mean, a holding call away from potentially forcing a fourth down inside the 10-yard line. You know, that that play doesn't, that, that call doesn't happen. And that was fourth and goal from the nine. Anything can happen there. And if they get that, they, the game's over. That stops over and they're, they're Super Bowl champions. So they are literally one penalty away from being Super Bowl champions. It's the same core team. So when they go into Buffalo, it's not a matter of like, oh, Buffalo is home team and they should win just because they're home and we should lay down because they're home. They went out there and played. Joe Burrow's a good quarterback. Josh Allen's a good quarterback. One team ran for 172 yards. The other team barely ran the ball at all. I mean, in the snow and in these kind of conditions, you have to look at it objectively. So you hear these pundits talking about, oh, the team should should blow it all up and they should get rid of the defensive head coach because he doesn't know anything. I'm like, so this defensive head coach that got them in that position and got them in that position every year for the last few years and proven every single year their regular season record, which matters. Those 16 games, now 17 games, it matters. So if you can win 13 to 17 games, if you can win 12, 13 out of 16, 17 games, it's like you're a good team. You play this year, the conference is pretty tough, the AFC East. Then you play a number one schedule and you're out, out of conference games. So it's not like they were a bunch of teams of slackers that were barely squeaking by. So the fact that it seems as soon as somebody has a, a bad game, people don't talk about this is why they had a bad game. This is what the defense did to cause him to throw these kind of passes. This is what the defense was doing to cause them to not want to run these kind of plays. This is This is what Cincinnati was doing offensively, this is what they were taking advantage of because that happened as well. But I think people just want to just bloviate and just scream out, oh, this guy choked because that's easier. That's easier clickbait. Like we talked about clickbait the last episode. People just want to just scream about who didn't do what, who didn't do what well. It's like there's two teams out there. There's two coaching staffs out there. Like these guys are game planning and making these moves happen. So like to me, the the way the media treats a guy and wants wants to call for a guy's job, like you should be fired. I'm like, you're not gonna win. You're not gonna find coaches that get you 12 wins every year. It just it just doesn't happen. And the league that goes from player teams goes from worst to first every year. The NFL is set up that way so that 
a team like Jacksonville that was the worst in the division last year can be in position this year because if you win your division, more likely you have to pay one of your top players. That's going to cost you money in salary cap, and you hope you can make it up. But the other teams have young quarterbacks, young players are not paying. Now they can go to first. It makes it intriguing. It makes us want to watch football from September all the way through February because it's like it's literally wide open. So just the way like these pundits, they watch these games, they see them every single week. But the way they Monday money quarterback and want to just fire everybody on the staff, it just blows my mind. Well, you know, winning 12 or 13 games doesn't always make a good team because I see Minnesota. But anyway, you know, um, you know, it's kind of crazy, you know, because I was thinking about this and coming into the year. All I heard about was how Josh Allen was going to be the MVP. You know, he was on it was Mahomes and then Allen, 1A, 1B. So I think that the media created their own animal. Like they were the ones that put the hype onto Buffalo based off of one person, based off of Josh Allen, who they knew was a turnover source Rex, you know, up until, you know, I was thinking the other day, like, you know, we were talking about it and I said, Hey, you know, well, Dayball was there and his turnovers went down. They actually didn't. And when I went back and looked at it on second, look, they, they actually didn't go down very much, you know, um, so Josh Allen is who we thought he was. So I understand why the media points there, but what I don't understand is that if the more if the media is pointing at Josh Allen, why aren't they pointing at Justin Herbert? Because this man had a 27 point lead and on the road and couldn't get me one first down in of meaningful moments in the second half to put Jacksonville away. They couldn't get four yards on third and four, even though he throws the ball 200 times a game. And I didn't hear any blame there. Because I think everyone, I won't say everyone, like I said, speaking, you know, these, these absolutes, there is a consensus or a feeling that Brandon Staley might be out over his skis with the job. So I think people have been calling for his job since they went for it on fourth and whatever <laughs> last year against the Raiders yes. on the field. I think people are like, yo, you got to get rid of this guy. I think but that. But see, this is the thing. This is the thing. If you, if you have a quarterback like Peyton Manning, for example, and you bring a Tony Dungy in there and it doesn't work, Peyton Manning, I guess, he already was Peyton Manning, you know, so Tony Dungy would have messed that up in that scenario. In this scenario, Justin Herbert ain't done nothing. You know, Justin Herbert, this was his first time in the playoff, just like it was Staley's first time in the playoff. So it's not as if he was this established guy, you brought Staley in, and now we look back and say, oh, man, you're wasting Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert may just be a yards guy that doesn't really have big impactful moments over the course of a playoff game. We don't know that yet. The story's still being written. But the reason that I brought that up is because I go back to a guy named Matty Ice, you know, who 28 to three in the Super Bowl. And obviously Super Bowl is going to bring extra crazy. It's going to bring extra conversation. I understand that. But when I look at Atlanta that season, for example, you know, they were 28th in the NFL and giving up passing yards per game, 17th against the run, 26th in total defense. So you've heard me say this before. Like, I believe in coming back to your mean. You know, like you could play great at times. You could have a great stretch of games. But eventually that comes back to roost. 
you know, um, so for example, using that Atlanta scenario, looking at the Buffalo Bills the last three years, they have been the second, third, and second best defense in the league. So that's where for me, not necessarily a media member, I'm looking at Josh Allen like you're crapping the bid because you have the defense in place. You have play now, granted, things went a little sideways with Von Miller out, you know, so you gotta acknowledge that. But at the end of the day, your defense was good enough because when I looked at Cincinnati and Buffalo on paper, their defenses were similar, their defenses were ranked around the same, but Buffalo was still higher. So them on paper. Yeah, so yeah, they don't play the games on paper. So when I get on the field and I'm looking at Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, it looks different. You know, when I look at Joe Burrow, I see something cerebral who has an arm, who is a little bit athletic, probably deceptively. When I look at Josh Allen, I see Megatron. You know, no pun intended. I guess that's Optimus Prime. I see Optimus Prime, you know, from the standpoint of he can run over you. He can throw it over you. He can do all these things. But yet, the reason, okay, let me skip for a second. So the reason I picked Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl was because Kansas City was their boogeyman, allegedly. That's how I felt. You know, so when they went and got that win in Arrowhead this year, I was like, whoa, this is it. They got the monkey off their back. They saw that they can do it. So coming into the playoffs, I was like, yo, this is Buffalo. Like, this is the year. Last week against Miami. <laughs> and they gave up 31 points and almost gave <laughs> Away. Yeah, Josh Allen tried to give Miami the game, and, and, it, and it hit me a little differently because when you're that great, you snuff those teams out. You know, you don't give them any life. The longer you let them hang around, you know, the more danger you put yourself in. So when the media is having these conversations, I've heard people say, fire Sean McDermott. You know, and my whole takeaway is, why do you not want to criticize Josh Allen? It's okay. We're not saying that he's a bum. We're not saying he shouldn't be in the NFL. But just tell the truth. If he had a good game, you're going to praise him. So if he ha- so if the he has a bad game, just the part requires you to have an overall understanding and a willingness intrinsically to talk about the game in of itself, not the headlines that came out of the game. Yeah, you, and, and that's- if you if you if you want to look at Josh Allen and say, okay, he played poorly. If you look at his whole season, it was some ups and downs. But collectively, Buffalo doesn't concentrate on running the ball. Their kickoff returner returned two touchdowns against the Patriots. They got from the Colts 99s. He, him, Cook, and Singletary should be a three-headed monster in your offensive play 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 calling. That's the that's the problem. It's like you don't offer anything different. Yeah, Josh Allen is a battering ram. And, yeah, he should take some of the blame for whatever mistakes he made. I don't think he should clean house. No, not at all. And I think because people have levied these expectations, like I said, we're going to go over the picks later, but I think people levied these expectations on his success and are ignoring that 13 wins is a successful season. Being responsible for 30 to 40 touchdowns in a season is a, is a good season. And this is NFL. This is not college football. You got a guy out there. You got the best defenses in the the world, the best players playing defense, playing that sport in the world, and you're still responsible for 30, 35, 40 touchdowns every year, even with the turnovers and the fumbles and the weather you're playing and the pressure you're playing under. So if you still can do that, there's like real conversation that can be had about, it just was a bad game. It doesn't matter. You blow the whole thing up. It just, it doesn't, 
I haven't seen it to where you have a, a good quarterback, let's say, quote unquote, the franchise quarterback, which is really just a top, a top eight guy. Mm-hmm. You know, eight teams are pretty much solid at quarterback. And then you got teams nine through 32 that might be willing to make a move if it was available. You can argue that eight, nine, 10 range over the Dallas, Baltimore, Minnesota, you know, now Green Bay's in the flux. So you got like most teams don't really have a quarterback like that. About eight of them do. Definitely for sure. And he's one of those eight. You're not gonna get you're not gonna blow that up and then turn around and win it all next year because they're gonna love you the same expectations. Because if he gets a new coach, they're gonna be like, Well, you got a new coach, you got rid of the coach that was holding him back. Now let's see what he can do. And if that doesn't work out, then it's more and more criticism. It's like, yo, you gotta be objective, like what's really happening? And I mean I they, when they talk, they ignore that part. At the end of the day, it's just lazy because not only did I hear fire Sean McDermott, I heard to go get Sean Payton. So it's like, okay, Sean Payton is just the band-aid for everybody. Like he can go fix anything. And I'm not saying that he can't win with Josh Allen. Like, but I don't think McDermott can't win with Josh Allen. You know, like McDermott is a good coach, you know, they got, I mean, they lost to a good team. Now, if they would have lost to Miami, if they would have lost that game last week, now you have a conversation. Quarterback. Right. Now you have a conversation, but since you are Mr. You know, championships are overrated. How do you feel about expectation when it comes to different rounds of a playoff? So like in the NBA, for example, um, how much more difficult is it to play in the finals than it is a second round series in your estimation? I don't I don't know if it's difficult. Never being an a, an athlete that ascended to those levels at any you know level as far as athleticism or any kind of sport, I imagine that the pressure is on no matter where you are, because it's the end of your season if you lose. So if you lose in the first round, if you lose in the second round, I think losing in the finals, I've heard, you know, players talk about how tough that was because you got through everything else and you got to the finals and you lost. And I think it takes you a while to sit back and think about how good of a season you had afterwards. Because, you know, some some guys lose in the final. And they go out in the parking lot and they call, you know, the, the free agent from the Midwest, you know, to come join them uh, so they can they can go back and fight the from the East. And I, I, was wait, I was waiting for it. I was waiting I for it. it. And I get that that happens. And I get that. I don't know if you make that call. I don't know if that phone call is made if they get knocked out in that previous round. If OKC beats Golden State in the previous round, I don't know if Draymond calls Kevin Durant saying, hey, man, when you guys are done in OKC, come to Golden State. So I think the fact that they lost in the finals, it opened up a different like amount of like, okay, I got to make this call. So I think that's – I think coaches get fired when they lose in – I think it's different for coach. I think a coach, if you lose in the first round, they expect you to win. I think you can get fired. But I think if you're supposed to lose in the first round, but you make it to the second round of the conference finals, you can keep your job. So I think I think there's levels to it. But as far as like the difficulty or the pressure, I think it just depends on what your team aspirations were. And if your team was built 
to make it, you know, further along in the playoffs. Man, don't be having easy money sniper coming at us. You know, that, that's enough of that stuff. You know he responds to everything. Don't do that. Yeah, Don't but, do but that. think about it. Think about it. You think Draymond makes that call if go if OKC knocks out Golden State? Because it's, it's the same thing. Because everyone's saying, hey. Well, he I mean, he might make the call, but Durant might not answer. I don't think he thinks that call gets accepted in the parking lot after mm-hmm. they lose OKC the way – they say the phone call was made. I'm not sure if Katie answered or whatever. I think it's just the, the legend that he was in the park line. Right, right. Call. I don't think if he made that call or talked to him in the hallway after if OKC beats Golden State, I don't think getting Kevin Durant to Golden State is Golden State's top priority. Well, the reason I brought that up is because, you know, that was another media creation was Steph Curry in the finals and he chokes and he does this and he does that. And, you know, when I went back and looked at their first championship the year before this all went down, you know, uh, Steph had a monster playoffs leading up to the finals. Like, I mean, like he was just nailing everything. He's already the greatest shooter of all time, but he was just on another level during that run. They get to the finals. He had a bad game. I believe it was game three or four against uh, Della Vadova was guarding him. And everybody turned this into he can't step up and perform. So I wanted to, like, have some data on my side, so I went back and looked. And during that regular season, he averaged 28, 8, and 8. I'm sorry, 23.8, you know, with 8 and 8. So I was like, okay, that seems decent, you know. That that was MVP season, so 23, 8, and 8. Yeah, 48.7 from the field and 44.3% from three. You know, in the playoffs – Overall playoff, he went up to 28.3, you know, with six and six, but his three-point percentage fell two percentage points. His field goal percentage fell six percentage points, but he was shooting more. So I guess the more you shoot, the efficiency goes down. We saw that with LeBron in that same series. Just taking taking games over, just shooting a lot of shots. Right. So then, but when you look at that actual finals, he averaged 26 points on 44% shooting and 38.5% from three. So I say that to say his overall playoff production went up five points. You know, his finals went down two points from his overall playoff, but was still up three points from his regular season. So it's hard to say that he choked or whatever the case may be or that he played awful, whatever the narrative is. When I look at someone like Jason Tatum, for example, and going off of last season, Boston's run to the finals. You know, he came into last season, he averaged 26, 8, and 4 on 45% and 35% from three-point range. In the playoffs, he got up to, to uh, or he went down to 25.6, 6, and 6 on 43% and 39% from three-point range. But then in the finals, he went 21 and a half with seven and seven. And also in that finals, he had a three for 17 in game one and a six for 18 in the closeout game. So I'm not trying to call Jason Tatum a choker per se, you know, but I'm just trying to understand why Steph had a narrative that Jason Tatum kind of got away with. 
just based off of how the media responds to these championship rounds, if they picked you as a player or a team to ascend to a certain level, then they are harsher on you as if them picking you implies they put in the work to put you. <laughs> so then when you don't achieve to the level that they expect you to achieve, now they have criticism for you. But if they don't have any regard for you to make it that far, and then you make it that far, then they praise you. That way they set themselves up for the following year. Mm-hmm. To I was big on Boston last year when they went to the finals and those guys, those young guys, blah, blah, blah. I'm not imitating anyone's voice, but like just the overall, <laughs> the overall like perspective of, you know, sports pundits. Like, I think they want to say, I put this expectation on you and you achieved it. Or I jumped on your bandwagon early when I saw you were ascending. There's not a lot of middle ground. There's a few people that have like a middle ground that can, you know, speak to each side of it. But a lot of a lot of the pundits, they just want they want to be right. Because for some reason, just being right, either being right or being harsh, for some reason seems to keep you you know, getting on these shows. Like, I saw, what was the topic today that I saw on the show? Uh, I don't know. It might have been something like, who won it, or did they blow it, or who do you trust more in the AFC Championship game? Like, why is it, who do you trust more? It's like, who do you think is going to win? Why have to be a situation where you have to trust one of the quarterbacks over the other one? Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to have a bigger game? And you can talk you can be admirable in regards to the guy you like. I think Joe Burrow's going to do this. I think the way he has commanded the offense, his connection with Jamar Chase, yada, yada, yada. Or I think this is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes' year to avenge the loss they had last year at home in Arrowhead. They dodged the whole neutral site, and they got they get Cincinnati in Arrowhead, louder stadium, Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback. MVP. You can have that same segment instead of saying, you know what, I don't think in big games Andy Reid can really pull it off because he's been to this many championship games. and he also, It's like people would rather say how many games he – the reasons why someone will potentially lose versus, hey, this is why I think this team's going to win. This well, is where they improve. And that you can have the same authentic conversation because you and I have a conversation. Yeah, we we do jump on guys about the guy. He's not that guy. Like I don't, I don't get him. I get it, but I support it. But every single thing I say isn't negative about, you know, these players, and that's the part that bothers me the most. Well, you know, I hate the word legacy and how oh, that. You hate that. Oh, you I hate, hate that word all the time. What is oh, like? I hate it. I hate it. You're in year three. You don't have no damn legacy. But you know, but but when it comes to legacy, all these narratives and all this talk possibly took a finals MVP away from Steph Curry, you know, because he, he had that year, that year he should have got, I get Iguodala came in and then they won. Cause they were down two one mm-hmm. on the game four. they were already in Cleveland. So it was like, it was a two or they went two, two, one, one, one at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They switched over. Yep. Because they didn't like how Dallas got beat by Miami in that two, three, two situation back in the day. And I think San Antonio, they, they came up short because of a 2-3-2 format as well. So they lost. I, you ain't come up short. You just lost. You know what I mean. 
but, so, but, but, but but like I mean I don't have a problem I don't have a problem per se with Iguodala getting that Finals MVP. Like I, I mean I probably would have gave it to Steph, but when I look not, at it, he was not the most valuable player. I mean it depends on how you want to look at it. They were down two one, you know LeBron was going ape you know what on them. Yeah, and then, no, I looked at those numbers. I looked at those numbers. That is it's not true. That's the narrative. LeBron went like eleven for thirty one in Game One. He went like 12 for like 20. What those free throws look like, though? It's just that he just took so many. He took all the shots. Everything went through him. So the rebounds, obviously, so he's getting the rebound. He's leading the run out. He's kicking assists. I'm not saying that he didn't play great, but it wasn't like Iguodala was like shutting down the guy hey. that was killing him the whole series. He just was just that good, and Cleveland was just good enough to get the two wins. But it all wasn't I'm saying. like dropping 40 points and then Iguodala came in, he's driving 30. He still was he still was playing like his efficiency was exactly the same. All I'm saying is the starting lineup and afterwards. All I'm saying is Synergy Sports. All I'm saying is Synergy Sports told me. (laughs) I'm 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 gonna pull it up because because like I said, Synergy Sports told me that in that that in that series they told me in that series when Iguodala was LeBron's defender. LeBron shot 38.1% and scored 26 points per 36 minutes with 2.9 turnovers. And when he was on the bench, LeBron's shooting percentage went up to 44%, and he averaged 35 points per 36 minutes with 2.2 turnovers. Here we go. Real quick, I'm just going to click on this. I I like this one. I like like basketballreference.com. I get a lot of information from them. Yeah. All right, so... Game one, going to state one. LeBron had 44 points. Let's check his shooting in that game. What is it? Let's see if we find out. You keep going. I'm keep looking for these shots. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm just talking about like you know I don't know if Basketball Reference breaks it down the way that I was looking at it, but you know like I said with Iguodala, you know he. He didn't erase him. You can't erase LeBron James. But if you hold LeBron James to 38% shooting, then I just got to take my hat off to you. And they were up two to one. Like Golden State was up. I mean, I'm sorry. Cleveland was up two to one before Iguodala started. Now, I'm not saying that Iguodala is the only reason they won the series. I'm not saying that starting him provided the detail that they needed to win the series. I'm just saying it mattered. The the thing that Golden State okay so this this what we got Golden State scored ninety three ninety one in those two games that they lost mm-hmm. in the games that they won they scored one hundred and eight one hundred and three one hundred and four and one hundred and five I think it might be their scoring or inability to score is why. <laughs> And win game four. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. But I'm just saying that the de- the defense that he he held LeBron to nine points less per 36 minutes. Well, in games five and six, LeBron went 40 points, 14 rebounds, and 32 points and 18 rebounds. What's the what's the shooting? Oh, the shooting was terrible. But that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Iggy, Iggy bothered him. 
he dropped he dropped forty points by himself and his yeah, team. Yeah, you could drop forty. Dallas said LeBron or what was it? Was it was it Russell Westbrook where um, he scored like forty two or something and Beverly was like, "Hey, I stopped you," and he's like, "I scored forty two. and he's like, "Yeah, but you took forty two shots to do it." Like, so you're never going to stop LeBron James. You know what I mean? And he doesn't play that style where he usually is a gunner in that way. He just had to. So you could argue he was doomed to begin with. You know, um, they had Kyrie for game one. He got hurt. You know, Love was already gone. So he already so he already had a tough mountain to climb to begin with. But he was still up 2-1. And if the Cleveland Cavaliers would have won that series, I would have heard that he was the GOAT a year earlier than I heard that he was the GOAT. Like, I would have heard he ain't have no Kyrie and no love, and he still won. He was up 2-1, to one, and I think that's damn good. I'm just saying, with Iggy as his primary defender, he held him to 38%. LeBron don't shoot 38%. He shot 40% overall for the entire series because he had to shoot the ball all the time. He had to shoot the ball all the time. he had no one else. Like, at that level, at that point of the season, Jason Tatum last year, Golden State, without Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, what does that series look like? Oh, that's a sweep. Exactly. So it's like that's a sweep. But but what I'm saying though, but what I'm saying though is before Iggy started, but like you know, but before Iggy started, Cleveland was in control of that series. They were up two to one. You know, that's all I'm saying. Like they shouldn't have been up two to one. That should have been a sweep too, or maybe they should have been down two one. But Iggy started. Cleveland won one more game after that, and the rest is history. But anyway. You know, not that we wanted to go down memory lane, but yeah. I just, but, but basically, I was trying to figure out why these players like Jason Tatum don't get the same criticism that Steph gets. Because from LeBron fans, I'll just bring this up real quick before we move on. Because, like, you know, I hear about, hey, Jordan didn't beat Bird, or, you know, he didn't get out the first round until this happened or whatever. He was still dropping 63 points in playoff games, and we weren't all, and it wasn't on 38% shooting. And we weren't like, oh, like, you know, whatever the case may be, because there was nobody stopping him. But we still knock him for not winning those series, even though it goes back to being a team sport and all that stuff. LeBron didn't have his team. He played admirably, shooting percentages to the side. He played admirably in a way, and he had them in that series in a way that we actually thought. We were like, yo, is Cleveland going to pull this out? So you got to give him that. I'm just saying Iggy came in the game and then it just didn't happen. That's all I'm saying. I don't you get into all that other stuff. It just didn't happen. I can get into the who else is gonna score for you stuff. I mean Timothy Mozgov, he dropped twenty eight one game, but they lost by twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah. that's that sounds like the Lakers with uh Rui Hachimura, you know, like so talk to me about this trade. You know, you got you talk to me about this trade. I want to know who made this call. Like, I'm not sure if this guy's like, if he's next. I know he was a top 10 pick a few years ago. Nothing, nothing crazy. I know he had a Jordan shoe release recently. It's kind of, kind of pricey. He's a pair of eights. Um, what, 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 Washington? So, is he, he do some money? Is he asking for money? No. Is, like, so I like him. Give him up for three. I don't know how many second round players. It was three are. second round picks. Yeah, I don't know how many second round players are actually on 
active NBA rosters right now. All right. So I like I like Rui, first of all. You know, I do. Um, I think and I don't know why NBA teams do this, because I feel like you need talent to win, right? And as of right now, the Wizards are like the 10th or 11th seed last time I looked. So yeah. so from so from that standpoint, you question certain things. But what doomed Rui in was Kyle Kuzma ascending this year. So he became expendable from the standpoint of we don't need both of them. You know, he not. That's my question. My question is so why if, if not? Giving, if Kuzma's giving you, let me see what Kuzma's numbers are. That's that's my question. The question is why not? That's why I brought up the point about having talent. Like you can you can play them together with the way that the NBA is today with positionless basketball and all that kind of stuff. You can play them at the same time. Or you could have Rui come off as six man. Maybe he wasn't willing to do that. He is a restricted free agent after this season. So the Lakers will retain his rights, you know, so I'm sure that was a nice feather in the cap for Mr. Palenka. So you um, did 22-8-4 and four out of Kyle Kuzma. How many minutes? Because I know Rui's playing about 24. Doesn't have minutes. So Rui, I know, is averaging 13-5, and five, you know, in 24 minutes. So this is all upside for the Lakers. And this is why I don't understand it, because LeBron don't do upside. Like, the whole M.O. is we got to win now. We got to win every single year for this dude to be happy or whatever the case may be. This does not accomplish that. Now, when A.D. comes back, you have you another piece that can get you some buckets and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know what kind of defense he's going to give the Lakers because the Lakers actually have a pretty decent defense, and or actually a, a good defense. So I think he takes away from that. So I think he adds just as much as he takes away. So yeah, but I Defensively, I think if you're a good defensive coach and you have a guy, what he's like, what he's six eight, six nine. Yeah. You can just you can tell him how we run our defense. He might not be like this great on the ball defender like a Tony Allen or Scottie Pippen or like Dennis Robin defending in the post where it's like I'm so focused on defense, but in a team defensive scheme with someone that big, you you can move him side to side. I'm pretty he can he I think defensively probably better than Kendrick Nunn just off just the size, just size alone. Well, and, that, and that's what I don't get because if the Lakers were gonna make a trade, and I mean the trade deadline's not over. But if they were gonna but if they were gonna make a trade, I'm thinking that maybe they're looking for a big that can defend a little bit, you know, like to help out Thomas Bryant while AD's out, or maybe they get a point guard or someone that can guard point guards off the dribble or whatever the case may be. Had enough, had enough of them. And they, they got Russ, Beverly, and Schroeder. like, I think there you just got to make, you got to figure out how that three-headed monster can get you 26 to 30 points. Like, how can these three guys get us this? Well, I can tell you the answer to that. Russ gets you 21. You know, Schroeder gets you to rest, and Beverly just plays defense. Like, you know, <laughs> you ain't getting points out of Beverly. But you can't put them all on the court at the same time. No, you can't put them all on the court at the same time. You know, but, you know... That's the the Lakers really have. I think they're just gonna have to hope that this worked out. Well, as far as Kendrick Nunn goes, I don't know why the Wizards wanted him. I heard Tommy Shepard, the GM, you know, talking about how Kendrick Nunn is instant offense. You know, and I said, and I said well, I mean, yeah, if you if you take the grits out the, you know, and, and pour the water on the grits, you get instant food. You know what I mean? But he ain't instant. He ain't Jamal Crawford or something like that. 
you know, and I like Kendrick Nunn. Don't get me wrong. He's my 2K guy. But you know what I mean? But in real life, not so much. No sense. But the good news is, but the, but the good news is. It made no sense. But the good news is um, he is a free agent after the season. So he comes off the book slash maybe he's a part of a trade deadline. You flip him. Maybe you buy him out and you just free up the space. You know, maybe that's the move. But, but I don't think this is some conspiracy. Rui. But but I don't think this is some conspiracy. You don't think it's a Paul Gasol part two situation? No, and I, no, and I and the reason why I don't think it's a Paul Gasol thing because I don't think Paul Gasol was a Paul Gasol thing. I absolutely think Paul Gasol is a Paul Gasol thing. Paul like, Gasol was a Paul Gasol thing if you only he look was at an all star. If you this. look at the trade in the moment, if you just look at it in the moment that it happened, one hundred percent. But when you look at what happened down the road, not so much because, like, oh, well, down the road, all kinds of things happen. Well, 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 you don't always make a trade. But they trade them for his younger brother. But every trade, every trade isn't made for we got we better win this year or the trade was unsuccessful. Listen, all I'm saying is this: Kobe was looking at private schools in Chicago <laughs> that off season. Kobe his, wasn't going nowhere. He listen. He was in. He was scouting. Places to live in Chicago, private schools for his children. He, Vanessa was looking up stuff to do. Like they were ready to hey, go to Chicago. I was, hey, know, I was scouting eight. places in Seattle, and I ended up in San Antonio. Okay. Well, listen, that's <laughs> options. His option was I would go to Chicago. So he said this in his interview. You know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. He was ready to go to Chicago, and then they told him like, "Hey, we'll make it happen for you." And all of a sudden, Jerry West sends Paul Gasol to L.A. in his prime for Paul's little brother and some other little picks. All right, hold on. Time out real quick. Before we go any further, I just got to ask this question real quick. How do you win Defensive Player of the Year and, go and, and you're on second team, all NBA, second team all defense? How does that work? LeBron still talks about that. Uh, well, LeBron should have won it, but go ahead. It, I the the awards make no sense. I was talking my like tangent. I was talking to my son. We were driving at one of his practices, at one of his fall practices, and who was it? The I want to get him right. Like the Davy O'Brien Award in college football is the best quarterback, right? And the Maxwell is the best player. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams won the Maxwell. And then another quarterback won the David Bryan. So I'm like, how did a quarterback win best player in college football? It's, it's, it's the same way. Best quarterback award and then wins the Heisman. It's the same way Dan Orvlosky yesterday said that Patrick Mahomes is the better player, but Joe Burrow's the better quarterback. It's the same like argument. I, like, yeah, I saw that too. I'm like, what? I don't know. But anyway, back back to the yeah. So so Paul Gasol, you know, so I was thinking about this. So Paul Gasol was a six-time All-Star and he made four all NBA teams, but never made first team all NBA. Mark Gasol has that tainted defensive player of the year award that we mentioned, was a three-time all-star. And a two-time All-NBA player, uh, first and second team. So what I'm saying is, like, people make it sound like they traded Paul Gasol for like Paul Reed or something like that. They traded Paul Gasol 
for his little brother. So let's see. Let's see. Okay. Well, if it, if it if it was a conspiracy, and you know I hate the Lakers, but if it was a conspiracy, then the Lakers would have got Chris Paul. No, that was a. Uh, I still don't understand that. Rejection. I mean, if you're the league, right? You're David because David. I think the league owned the team at the time. You yeah, know. They, um, so, 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 I mean, if it's all about the Lakers, why would you not want L.A., you know, if that's the argument? Why would you not want L.A. Yeah, because he had nothing to do with Jerry West giving up whatever. Because um, Kevin Which McHale Powell was in that trade, wasn't he? Kevin McHale gave gave up. Um, that's how. Al Jefferson and uh, Kevin Garnett. Was yeah. like, and they got the Boston. Yeah. So, so uh, if this I were. happened by accident, man. Like, these dudes, so, like. They believe these other. I don't even know why they try to work for other teams. But but, but if I remember this, Bird went to work for Indiana, went for the Pacers. I don't just. We know what you're gonna do. Magic Johnson said, "Listen, I'm gonna work for the Lakers." He did a terrible <laughs> job, but he didn't go try to work for somebody else. He didn't try to go work for Dallas. He's like, "Nah, I'm gonna work for the Lakers. I'm gonna live in L.A." But, but if I re- but if I remember this correctly, wasn't Powell a part of that deal, and he was supposed to go to Houston or something along those lines? There was a trade, another trade where they were going to trade. Um, Lamar Odom was supposed to leave. Mm-hmm. He but, got that. Well, the point being, the point being, it's not as if they were adding Chris Paul to the team as they were constructed or whatever, and they were just going to run rough shot all over the league. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to dig into this trade because I think certain teams just happen to get this. And I think the NBA doesn't mind. I was talking to someone today. Like, I think the NBA doesn't mind that only five teams or six teams are really, really good because they can put them on TV multiple days out of the week. Whereas the NFL, yeah, a lot we of just games. watch. We just watch. Mm-hmm. But you can put Jacksonville versus Denver on Thursday night and we'll watch. Hey, if, if Minnesota and Jacksonville made the Super Bowl, we're not turning it off. We're going, going to watch it. We're going to watch the commercials. We're going to watch the ads. If you put Memphis and Milwaukee in the NBA finals, you're just asking for it. And I don't understand why fans care about that. Like, fans are like, that's going to be a low-rated final. So what? Watch it. I want to see a good game. Yeah, I just want to watch basketball. But anyway, like this so, trade. like this, so. Here we go. Hold on real quick. This So the Lakers got – Powell Gasol and a second round draft pick in exchange for Kwame Brown, Javaris Crittenton. Didn't he go to jail? Yes, he was a part of the Gilbert Arenas episode. Yeah, then he shot somebody in a. Then he shot somebody, yep. Mm -hmm. Aaron McKee and the draft rights to Mark Gasol. Hey, Aaron McKee, former sixth man of the year, current head coach at Temple, who just beat number one Houston the other day. So they got a couple of first round picks, 2008, 2010. So I'll, I'll give you that they they gave up a bit of a haul, but when it occurred, the immediate reaction was, "What?" Yeah, and because because like I said, we reacted in the almost moment. fifteen when, years ago. Well, well, this is the problem, right? We, what well, this is the well, this is the problem. Well, this is the problem. We react in the moment, but then we don't go back. You know what I mean? So like in the moment, we're like, "The fleece, the fleece of the century." But then five years later, when Mark Gasol wins Defensive Player of the Year, we don't circle back to say, well, hey, maybe but, that trade wasn't as bad as we thought. But that's but that's but that's different. Mark Gasol's the only player out of that bunch 
that had an impact going forward. I don't know who they got with their first round picks, but I know Memphis was a pretty good team, so they're probably be getting picks between 17 and 30, you know, somewhere in that range. So I can't imagine they got great picks. And I think Marcus All was a throw-in. Just because. Well, at that time, he was young. He was young and hadn't really played much yet. So we didn't know what Martin Gasol was. Yeah, they played for the national team. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So in the moment. They would have got to keep Marcus Gasol. Then this trade would essentially been Paul Gasol for Kwame Brown, Crittenden, and Aaron McKee. Now that would have been a fleece. Essentially, it was because only but, only person I played any that had any kind of impact was Marcus All. But that's and what I'm saying. Wasn't that great? Cool. They went to three finals with <laughs> Marcus All. Hey, Mar- hey, All was the difference maker in that get them to the finals. Hey, Marcus All ended up as an NBA champion. Okay. Marcus All ended up as an NBA champion. Okay, just remember. Oh, when he was on, he was in the in the bubble with the Lakers. No, he was with Toronto. He was in Toronto. Okay. Yeah, or actually, it might have been the bubble. I can't remember was if he bubble? won that bubble. It was one of the two. It was one of the two. I but think. anyway, but he ended up being a champion. You know, that's all I'm saying. And he was Defensive Player of the Year. He made an NBA first team, which his brother did not. His brother has two rings, and he, he, has, the, he has the play against Boston where he traveled when he put the put back up, and his foot came back down. Before so, he so do you think? So do you think there's a potential chance that if Mark Gasol played with Kobe, he might have a ring? <laughs> Yeah. If they didn't put him, in, can you imagine their their front court if they had Mark and Paul? I know, but remember, right before Paul went to the Lakers, Paul had never even won a playoff game. Like he had been to the playoff twice and got swept both times. Well, so, there's guys in the Hall of Fame that didn't win playoff series, Greedy. <laughs> I mean, like, hey, so you had the four. You hey. had the four. There's guys who didn't win, didn't make it you know, out of the first round. I'm just happy you're not talking about Easy Money Sniper no more, so you can talk yeah. about T-Mac all you want. I like Katie. I like him a lot. <laughs> I do. I think he's I think he's great. I, I hate the, I hate to use the word hate, but I hate the, I wouldn't put him top 15. It's like, oh my God. Like, who asked you for your top 15? Right. And why is your top 15 more viable than just right. big moments? So it's like, so with the NBA, I think, like I said, I was talking about this earlier. I think the NBA, they the trades like this happen because it happened in baseball too. Baseball does it better because baseball teams recognize in man like June, July. Yeah, we're already eighteen games back. We're not making this up. Let's go ahead and trade away our starting left hand pitcher that we're paying twenty two million dollars a year. Let's get rid of him, send him to the Astros or the Yankees or the Red Sox or the highest bidder. We'll try to get some of their three or four of their top ten prospects that they have in their right. And everybody's kind of in agreement with that basic premise. It's like every year in baseball is we're swinging, literally swinging for the fences. Every yeah, year, pardon the pun. You know, but, so, as a, so as a Laker fan, real quick, so as a Laker fan, how do you feel about Hachimura? Listen, first of all, I don't know where this narrative came from. I'm a Laker fan. I'm a fan of basketball. I don't really support an individual team. You see who I, I, I'm a Falcons fan. 
I'm pretty sure you introduced yourself to me as a Laker fan. No, I don't think that happened. I don't think, I don't think that I happened. I think that happened at Hooters. Utah, I was going to more jazz games than Laker games. Well, you were living in Utah. Of course you well, were going exactly. to more jazz games. <laughs> well, I went to more jazz games than Lakers games. I've been in, you know, the Delta Center. I'm pretty sure that happened at Hooters. But anyway, yeah, maybe um, you were just a Kobe fan. I don't know. I think you, if you like, if you like the fight, if you like the fight and win, you're a Kobe fan. Like, if you just like grit. I mean, when he popped his finger back in place on the sideline and walked back on the court, I was like, <laughs> are you a robot? Like, that's not, that's not a real thing that humans do. Like, he literally yeah. he didn't even shake his hand. He yeah. popped back into place. Dude patted him on the head. And he said, I thought Kobe's going to sit down. He's like, he just hey, walked my man said, check ball. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he said, I was surprised. He was like, he's like, I looked at it and I was like, Oh, this is a bad dislocation. He's like, so I had to really grip my teeth to pop back into place. And I rubbed him on his head and he walked back on the floor. I was like, <laughs> he didn't even take his time out. So, I mean, Paul Pierce is in a wheelchair to go to the bathroom. But whatever. I mean, hey, Kobe, Kobe shot his free, free throw after the Achilles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but the Lakers, the problem with the Lakers, and it's, I don't like blame it on like an individual person. But I'll blame it on the overall um, strategy. I don't understand it. I don't understand how you win the championship and then you go cheap. You don't. They could have kept. I mean, think about all the players that the Lakers have given up. KCP. Over the last six years. And then look what they're begging to try to get in. We go Josh Hart. Lonzo Ball, Julius Randle, Larry Nance Jr. Yeah. Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, I forgot about that. Cal <laughs> uh, Kuzma, Alex Caruso, KCP. They didn't push hard enough for Collinson when they wanted him a couple of years ago. They probably could have got Victor Oladipo when he was out there on the cheap after he rejected his deal. It just seems like there's players every year that are willing to go to LA and they end up with a guy like wants is kind of Anderson from Golden State. I'm like, I get him. I'm like you just moved him from the bench in San Francisco to the bench in Los Angeles when you could have got a starter. They're holding on to these picks. I don't know what the plan is for these picks. Um, it just seems like as a, as a fan of sport and you look around, it's like, why are you putting your team together this way? You have an aging, you got an old star. I mean, he's playing like he's 28, but, you know, he's 38. And his entire... We'll see if he's playing like that in April. His nine... He's been in the finals 10 times. Mm -hmm. Nine out of 10 years, the whole thing was built around him. And it was him, uh, a stretch four that could defend and rebound and shoot. And then shooters... And then a couple of guys that just simply play defense. Like that's been the, the the blueprint. And the Lakers have none of that. They get a bunch of guys who can't shoot threes and a bunch of guys who barely play defense every year. So what's up with Russ? Now that um he's playing better, coming off the bench and all that kind of stuff, does that reopen the trade market or is it just too late now? No, because they gotta keep him. Because I don't think anybody's gonna trade for him 
I mean, what his salary was like forty four million this year, Something and you like that, yeah, and he's coming off the books anyway. Some kind of negotiation with me, like either you're paying twelve of the remainder of his twenty two million to get him off the books. Like if I'm gonna pay him twelve million, I might as well pay him for his sixteen points. Right. Um, and then Russ is just happy to be there. I don't think Russ is in like playoff Russ. Like I don't think I don't think they're on the same wavelength. I think there's a lot of disconnect. I think certain people are. I think LeBron is like, hey, I want to win it all. But I think he looks around and realizes, like, you know, you know what you have. He's not saying it out loud. Well, you know, I'm a fan of Rob Palenka right now. You know, he gives me reasons to watch Laker games. You know, I'm like I'm sitting here like, how are they going to lose tonight? Or what's going to happen tonight? You know, and of course, LeBron you know, is coming up on getting into the 200s, you know, as, as far as passing Kareem. So, you know, it's entertaining. You know, I can't wait to watch him play the Clippers tonight. You know, it's going to be a, like the Lakers are entertaining, if nothing else. You know what I mean? Like in a way that they haven't been entertaining to me before. Like part of it is because I don't like them. But, you know, but but the Lakers, you know, I was a Kobe fan. So even though I didn't like the Lakers, I still watched because I was watching Kobe. But like over the years, I think that I've changed in my age where I see what LeBron is doing. And even though I was never really a big LeBron fan, like I'm just like amazed. Like, look at what this guy is doing because me walking across the room right now to unlock that door is going to hurt my knees. So, you know, for the fact what this man is doing out there, like I just can't help but marvel at it. So I, so I am a little sad that it's going down like this, even though it is the Lakers. You know, I am a little sad that it's going down like this, you know, it but it doesn't make any sense. That's, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense that he's played this well this his entire time. Like I said, we, we had we had a brief little snippet last week. We talk about Lucas five years in the league and LeBron's last five years in L.A. As a GM, like, how are you butchering your job is bad because it, it doesn't like none of the moves make sense all the people who left it doesn't make sense i don't know what their money situation is but it's the lakers i imagine that if the broncos can get sold for four billion dollars and the cowboys are somewhere valued around five or six billion i think the even the mavericks a couple years ago mark cuban said a team could be sold for like three and a half billion he was like, what am I going to do with another $3 billion? Like, I'd rather have my team. Well, yeah, I was reading something yesterday, and the average NBA well, they always do out of money. Mm-hmm. Up guys that don't fit. Why, why are you picking up guys who are not good three-point shooters and hoping that they're just going to shoot better because the floor is painted Laker purple and gold? I mean, like. Or uh, grape and urine, as I like to call it. You well, know, but. But but you know but, but that's, that's, new. that's creative. But you know but at the end of the day, like I look back at it, and I just wonder, like when Palinka sat down with Genie or whatever, you know, at some point, and he laid out the vision for the team going forward. It couldn't look like this. Like like why she why she I mean it could like I don't know because like Genie strike Genie's dad, you know, would have not put up with any of this at all. So he would so, pay the luxury tax. He would pay the luxury Find tax. Whoever we got to sign, keep whoever we need to keep and run it back. Like, what is she in debt or something? Like, like what's going on? 
is there some bad like is there bad business on the side? Like we can't speculate. Obviously, there's just just two guys, two guys having. I'm speculating, but none of it makes any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that the team, the team that just won the the championship in Orlando, looked nothing like that team the following season. And even less like that the year after that. It's like, what are y'all doing? I get, okay, you can't keep Dwight Howard. He was old. J.R. Smith, you know, I like J.R. Smith a lot, but he was he was an older player. I, I understand those moves. Right, like, right. Guys just, the guys just play, you know, they play their time, and, and they were probably ready to go. Like, J.R. Smith, he went back to school. He's, like, on the dean's list. He's, like, captain of the golf team. So, like, it's not like he's out here just struggling, trying to beg his way back in the NBA. He was like, okay, it was my time to go. And he, and he played valiantly. He got his chips um, well-deserved. You know, shout out to Jersey. But some of these other players should have, should have been there. They didn't turn like, the Lakers should, into the Miami Marlins. You shouldn't have, like, you shouldn't have traded for Westbrook. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Well, that was a different thing. Two players to get one guy who can't give you what those two players gave you. Like, Russ wasn't going to give you what you can get out of Kuzma and KCP. So, like, why was it trade? And it cost you more. Well, I think that was a different thing. I think that was a let's get a star or superstar to show that we're trying, regardless of the fit or whatever the case may be. Because in the beginning, you could have argued that LeBron and Wade didn't fit together before they actually played together. So, so you know, so, no. like, so, so like, no. it was like... That's the shooting guard and the small forward. That works. I, I know. Russ ain't a small forward. You know That's what I mean? So, like, the, the D-Wade-LeBron combo, my only thing was, like, I just thought D-Wade, it was D-Wade's team and LeBron was one of D-Wade's team. That was always my argument. Um, we learned afterwards that, you know, they, they figured that part out and, you know, they wanted but I, but I think But I think they simply just wanted a name. They just said, hey, we got AD, we got LeBron, we need but another star. They already had LeBron and AD and they just... I know. Went, so what do you, what do you need? A, what do you need? You're the Lakers. Why do they need Kawhi? Why do you need another star? Why like, do they need Kawhi? That's what they do. Well, the Kawhi, Kawhi was a free agent. You no, know, I know, but like... I get that. I can understand. Like, listen, I'm willing to, like, I have some Jordans here. I don't want to give you two pair of Jordans that retail cost me 460 for another pair that only costs 220 retail. I'm like, why am I, why am I giving you two pair for this one pair when the value of all of them are basically the same? Like, well, I'm just giving you two pair just right. to take. So when they traded for him, it's like you're trading for him to do what? Like he doesn't shoot. You knew he didn't shoot. Like he plays hard. He plays tough. But it's like you didn't need hard and, and tough. You needed more shooters. You need skill. You needed. You need somebody who can do the other things that LeBron and AD can't do. You don't need someone who's going to get in LeBron and AD's way. So it was like oh. it didn't make sense to me. Unless Kuzma. So is there a player out there right now? that the Lakers get and they can avoid the play-in? Or do they not, or do they avoid the play-in just simply with AD coming back? Right now, there's three games under 500. And the West is, is, is tight, but mediocre. Yeah, they're not out of it by any means. So you got Dallas at five at 25 and 23. You got the Lakers at 12, at 22, and 25. 
Now they've had a couple of games where they didn't get a shot up at the end of the game or a bad foul or a bad turnover and they lost by possession, things like that. But the Lakers have to play almost perfect basketball to get those 22 wins. I mean, their star player is averaging like 26, 27 points, and he's 38. Like, he can't keep right. that up. Right. Um, yeah, that's why I said let's see what he's doing. Eight mm-hmm. comes back, you can get, but you got to get to six mm-hmm. to avoid the play in. So that means you have Minnesota, who's young. Golden State, who has firepower and pedigree, they can make a move. See, like, certain teams are a move away. I don't think the Lakers are a move away. Right, the Lakers right. are offseason away, and that offseason is probably going to require them to give up. They're going to have to start over. Like, you can remodel your house, and you want to redo your kitchen, you want to redo the bathroom, and you want to redo, the, you want to put a new deck in, cool. But you're going to have to, like, understand that you can't use half your house or you might have to deliver your in-laws for four months while they do this like you can't be like you know what we're just gonna we're just gonna move the refrigerator to the garage and we're gonna cook on a griddle and the no you gotta like <laughs> really lock in it's like if you want these things these improvements to happen you're gonna have to go tear it down and start over so if the lakers want to be successful they're gonna have to move all their valuable pieces that they have now and start over so how do we feel about the play-in? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But why? I love it for the sake of this. We got the NBA All-Star Game, Salt Lake City. What up? I'll be out there next month. I might be doing this show on the road. You know what I mean? Might have mountains in the background or something. Oh man, you're gonna get that exclusive with Easy Money Sniper. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if I can <laughs> if they'll let me do it in a gondola, snow basin, overlooking the mountains. You know. Okay. Okay. I like it. Flash my ID card and get some kind of perks. I don't know. I, I don't like know. it. What happens? Yeah, I might get a Malone hoodie or something. But so All Star Game, you're about 50 games in. You're about 30, 34, 30, 34 games up between on teams and your schedule. Right now, if you look at if we look at 11 through 15 in the West. Okay. The Rockets, Spurs are out of it. They're 22 games back, 19 games back. Mm-hmm. All right, so they're out of it. And if you go to the East, you have Charlotte, Orlando, Charlotte, Detroit, those three teams still have less than 20 wins. So if you just look at those five teams that have 20, like less than 20 wins, their games starting post All-Star break are going to be walkover games. If you only had the top eight in the playoffs, if the top eight were locked in. But when you have a team like OKC at 11, and Minnesota at nine, or a team like Portland at 13, Minnesota at nine. A game, Minnesota versus Portland in March, is now significant. You got to play Dame Lillard. You got to play Edwards. You got to play Cat. You got to play hard because Portland is only a game back of OKC for 11. And they're, no, they're only a game back of Golden State for 10. 
So if I have to play hard against this number nine seed as a 13 to get to 10, I'll play. So Minnesota, they're in the play, and they're like, if we don't win this game, we're going to go from nine to 13. So you can't just sit. But you buy a ticket to, you know, OKC versus Portland. You want to see that game. You know, you're in Portland, whatever the case may be. All right, I'll, I'll go, I'm on the East Coast. I'm on the East Coast. So I want to see the game. I want to see Zach Levine play against uh, play against the Knicks. Well, the Knicks are seven, Bulls are ten. If the Bulls are out of it at ten in March, I'm still spending two hundred dollars a ticket to get a decent seat at Madison Square Garden. But they're gonna sit everybody. No one's gonna play hard. But if Chicago loses that game, they drop to eleven. Now they're out of the play-in. And Toronto's in. I think Chicago plays hard to beat the Knicks. And if the Knicks lose, you know, they're down the knot. You know, so it's like, I think it just, I think that aspect of it works for me is because you want the season to be entertaining all the way through because it's very long. It's already 82 games. It would be awful from February 17th or February, you know, this year, February 20th, February 21st till April. You got your eight seeds, and then maybe a couple teams are vying for nines, and then everyone else is just out of it. So eighteen teams or eighteen teams are really competitive, and twelve teams are like, eh, because now is LeBron gonna play against? Like if you're in LA, you just you decide to take a trip to LA, and Detroit's playing, and they're playing against LA, and LA is firmly at seven. They're not gonna drop the nine. They're like, all right, we'll stay, we'll stay here. We'll, we'll sit smooth at seven. But the fact that they're at, like, 12, and they're like, yeah, we got to beat Detroit to make it to 10 to give us a chance, I think LeBron plays that game. AD healthy plays that game, you know. So I think that's I think that's the key because it's nothing worse, man. Like, I bought Christmas game tickets a couple years ago. Me and my son went, and it was Milwaukee versus the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Now, can you imagine Christmas Day and Embiid and Giannis don't play? And I spent $278 on a couple of tickets and they don't play. Yeah, them fees will my get son's you. birthday's in March, so he wants to go to a game. Like, Yo, let's go to Brooklyn. You know, buying surprise tickets. We go all the way up to Brooklyn and Kyrie and Katie are sitting because they're already locked in the sixth seat. So, that, that kind of part, because they don't give you a discount. Well, you know, I've struggled my whole adult life trying to answer this one question. And as we sit here on January 24th, year of our Lord, 2023, <laughs> I still don't know the answer to the question. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Because the reason that I don't know the answer to that question is because in your scenario that you laid out, Maybe these teams aren't fighting for seven through ten or whatever the case may be if they weren't sitting people in November or if they weren't sitting people in December. You know, like there's a reason that they're sitting in these spots in some cases. Like I know LeBron's a little older. How many games he sat already? You know, so I mean, you're already lowering your chances to begin with once you start sitting people out. Like the other night, now I don't know how this happened. <laughs> Go to state one. But they played Cleveland and, like, basically benched their whole starting lineup. You know, like, oh, Steph got a bad foot. Clay got a bad shoulder. Like, whatever. The whole starting lineup sat down, and they won that game somehow. But had they lost, 
I can't look back in April and say, yeah, I can't can't sit back in April and they lose a game to say, you know, Memphis or whatever the case may be. And then I'm going to go, oh, man, if Golden State would have beat Memphis, they would have made the play. Well, maybe if you wouldn't have sat your starters in January, you'd have been in a better position to begin with. So when I look at it, last season, for example, you remember Patrick Beverly and the whole like, oh, he just won the championship. They won. Oh, Betty was falling in Minnesota. Oh man, that was a great scene. That was. That was a... But you know what's funny about that? So the Spurs were the ten last year. Minnesota was twelve games better than them. <laughs> Why am I fighting for my playoff life against a team that I'm twelve games better than? It's not a perfect system. Hold on, hold on. It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> it gets better. So, you know, they were also, so that was 7 and 10. You know, but you still got to play 8-9. They were 10 games ahead of the 8th seed. So in a traditional playoff, you know, where the top 8 make it, they were 10 games better than New Orleans. Like, why am I playing this regular season to finish somewhere between, you know, four to ten games ahead of you? And I still got you a chance answered, to not you make the play. Why. You, I don't even think you know you answered why. You want to know why? Why? Because coaches decided to sit their players for games in November and December and January. And the NBA was like, okay, cool. You're costing us money at the end of the year. When you're <laughs> We're going to extend the playoffs to make sure that you, as an organization, play your players. You can sit them in January if you want. But in March, if you are the seven-seeded Phoenix Suns and you're playing the 12-seeded Los Angeles Lakers, you better play hard because they can make it to 10 if they beat you. You want to rest your players when they're healthy? You don't want to – you don't want to – you can't take everybody out. You know – like – it's you know definitively. I'm not like trying to raise, you know, my fist for the poor man and you know, you scrap all your money together, get this ticket. I'm not <laughs> that story. I'm just talking about the basic premise of how you lay out your expectations for payment for these seats. These court size seats are nine, ten, twelve, I mean, 20, thirty grand depends on the matchup. So that would work if the NBA money. cared about the fans. Mm-hmm. But if that, would work, that would work if the sports league cared about the fans. They don't. They care about whoever's going to be in that arena at that time or whatever the case may be. Buying whatever. The NBA is like, listen, if you're going to do this, if you're going to charge this money for these seats, you're going to sell these jerseys, you're going to sell these $12 beers and $14 garlic fries, then you're going to play your players. You want to rest your players? We came up. They came up with the plan. And that's so, that's the counter. That's the chicken and egg argument you make. If so I believe were playing their players, we'd be fine. I believe they're doing the low management for guys who are Tim Duncan was 30 something. Got it. Makes sense. If Carl Malone still was in the league, I get it. If you're over 35, Shaq, yeah, you play, you know, less minutes or you play a couple of games. You don't play the back to back. If you play three games in a week time frame, you play two out of three. I understand that. But if you're John Morant, you don't you don't get a low man. You don't get a rest. Just don't go to practice. Just have them come treat me, get a massage or something like that, and don't have them practice for two hours. 
Then they, they the game's 48 minutes. They only play like 32 or 33 minutes. I know they're playing hard, but it practices two, three, four hours a couple times a week. Cut well, one of those. Well, except for LeBron, he played like 40 minutes regardless. But, you know, but but like I think the, if I remember correctly, the first NBA season was 47-48. And in the whole history of the NBA, an eight seed has beat the one seed four times. A seven seed has beaten a two seed five times. So you're not even getting, you're not even necessarily getting the squeeze from the juice or the juice from the squeeze. You're not necessarily getting that. You're getting so, it because when you put these games on TNT in March, Kawhi is playing the, like tonight. Tonight might be an example of Kawhi or LeBron may not play. Cool. But in March, when you think you're on easy street because you didn't play these guys in January, you better play them then. But see, but that's but see, that's the thing. But that's the thing. Did the chicken come before the egg? Because our this argument, because our argument, to low. I think this is a response to low management. Well, well, our argument, well, our argument is similar, which is from a different viewpoint. So, yeah. like, so you mentioned the whole like, um, this is going to make the regular season matter more because in March or April or whatever you have these games that have the utmost importance. They're important. Yeah. That's 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 not a bad point. You know, my argument, though, is if I finish six games ahead of you, the regular season didn't matter anyway. You know, if, if I if I finish six games ahead of you, but don't get in the playoff. You get a mulligan and I don't get in the playoff, then the regular season didn't matter. Yeah, but did that happen? The better team won, right? Not always, because let me look here. Let me look through my notes for a quick second here. So, yeah. like, for example... You know, uh, let's see. There was. I know the Lakers finished four games ahead of Memphis and Memphis beat like Golden State lost to the Lakers and Memphis back to back. I don't think I don't think that changed anything, though. But um, but Golden State and the Lakers have, seven and they lost to Phoenix. Yeah, but, but Golden State shouldn't even have had a chance because they finished. Nine games behind the Lakers. So they shouldn't even have been. That's my point. Like a team that is nine games behind another team should not have the same opportunity as the team that finished nine games ahead. Yeah, but that's same. And with that being said, and with that if being, you didn't sit your guys, the, re, the NBA came up with this because. But, but I can't they, say that that's the full reason. Because there's no other re, like there's no other real reason. I mean, really. I can't say that's the full reason when Golden State out here beating teams without their starting lineup. So I mean, like they didn't. Lose. Mama, I mean, okay. No, so but they, but, 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 but they didn't lose with, with their without their starters. They dropped 150 points. They shot like 60 percent from three. So great. But, so but these teams don't lose every game that they don't play their players. So you know, it's not as if like and I don't have the records in front of me. But like, say hypothetically, the Lakers or whoever, maybe not the Lakers, but like hypothetically, Memphis sits their starters or whatever the case may be. I'm sure if they sat their star or they sat Ja for 15 games. I'm sure they don't go three and twelve. Would a high school team sit their starters for a basketball game in January? No. no. Would a college team sit their stars, their starters? No. no. So the NBA players, they want their cake and they want to eat it too. Well, this is what and we let them. Decided. Yeah, and they also say, "Okay, cool. You can rest in January, but come St. Patrick's Day, 
you better be out there with your green basketball shoes getting it in because we're charging $400 for these tickets. We're on TNT. We're on ABC. We have no football. We have nothing to compete with from February until April. You got a little baseball coming in, but baseball, you still get, baseball still has a whole summer. They're not hard pressed on getting that bunch. But if, that time, that window, that February to, to end of May, June window, that's NBA prime time. And they have established that that time is when we're going to get all of our players. If you want to play in, treat it like baseball. If you got eight and nine that finished with the same record, now you have a one-game playoff for the eighth seed. We don't need all this extra stuff. Like but, you said, it's it's a money grab. It's, it's there. Yeah, you're looking at it from a competitive level. I am because that I'm was just a sport. From, I'm looking at it. <laughs> they couldn't regulate the load management piece because you can't say you got to play a guy hurt. But what you can say is you don't want to fall out of the seven seed or the six seed to seven and end up playing a team that well, just that's where. Oh, but like, that's where that's where Silver. Now, well, that's where it, Silver need to treat these players like he treated Kyrie. This is where he need to say he did. I don't, they did. Yeah. The playing is the is the. the, he, is the he needs to say he needs oh, to say word. hey I'm sorry mm-hmm. that your foot hurt, but unless you require surgery or you've been in the massage room for the last three days. You you know about HIPAA. You did 20 plus years in the military. You know about HIPAA. You can't read people's waivers. You can't tell me. What Adam Silver know what's going on. You can't, like, I was medically retired. My information went up to the Secretary of the Air Force. So whatever they deemed was the answer, whatever these doctors say around here was null and void. Like, listen, this, you know you can't trump medical because you get sued. If you put out a policy that says you got to play a guy if he's not to this level of injury, and then they play and they get injured and their $100 million contract is no longer viable, they can sue you for $500 million if they wanted to. But what they did do is like, okay, we'll give you low management, but you better be able to manage your team post all. Because think about think about the years previously post All Star break. How competitive were those basketball games? You've probably been to a couple of games where it was like a bunch of dudes in street clothes on the sideline. Hey, I went to a, I went to a game just a just a week ago where it was one forty four to one thirteen and everybody played. These things happen regardless. You can't jurisdict based off of the worst case scenario. But so, it's if, not, so, so 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 I think that I think me and you are both rational enough rational enough that we are not saying put injured players on the basketball court. We are neither one of us are saying that. Even with my stance, no I'm not saying that. There's no verbiage you can put out there to stop load management. You you're can't. either you're either injured or you're not. But that's once again, everybody's hurt. This time of year, they say it all the time. They say they say it all the time when, when the play. playoffs start. When the playoffs start, they always say, "Hey, you guys have an injury." Blah 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 blah. And then the player says, "We're all hurt this time of year." You know what I mean? Like you're all hurt. You ain't all injured. Listen, but there's no verbiage you can put legally that says what stipulations you can make for low management. I'm pretty sure that the NBA has a gang of smart lawyers. Adam Silver's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So I know they have a bunch of people and they've gone over the scenario and this hey. but I say I, I think I think it works because if you think about it, like the NBA age range is like twenty one 
to 28 for the most part. There's a few guys over 28 that are getting a lot of minutes. For the most part, you get a bunch of young guys. I could run forever when I was 24 or 25. No matter what my weight was, no matter how much I drank the night before, no matter what, no matter what I ate, like in Korea, you can eat chicken on a stick and Yakimandu and get up at <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning Yaki and, play and play basketball for hours, go back to my room, shower, go out, get another box of Heineken's and keep it moving. Now, it's a wrap. You won't see me for a few days. All, all I'm saying is. But, so, that's, but that's all it is. You all, say, all I'm saying is. Adam, Adam Silver is a lawyer. All I'm saying is he found a way for a dude to get suspended for posting something on Instagram. You, you there's an offensive bias. You can you can find some way. Because that's vague. You can go you, you can, can go put a number of games in. You can put a number of games in. But that's the thing. The NBA can't put the NBA doesn't give you your contract. Your contract comes from the no, team. No, the team can do that. The team can well, I but mean the, the team don't really care, I guess. <laughs> Do that because you won't sign with them if you mandate. Yeah, yeah the team don't really games. care. Somebody else is gonna play. All I need you to be here is when it counts because when the rubber meets the road, playoff time is what they all care about. I just like the fact that it's not a game where you're just literally. I mean, come on, man. A game, Detroit versus Atlanta. Detroit's at 15. Atlanta's at eight. That game in March. If Atlanta's locked in to the eight seed, like I said, this year is kind of an anomaly because each conference, man, they're just they're all very close, one through twelve. Well, I think it always starts that way until the trade deadline, and then somebody does something, and then like some team decides, like OKC, they decide, hey, we're doing way better than we should be. Let's trade somebody and get another draft pick. Like so, that's going to happen, and teams are going to start separating. Yeah, and there's going there's going to be some separation. There's going to right. be right. And once, but once, that, but once you separate, but once you separate, but the you should be that, done. Still, the teams that are in the middle, these teams six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like that that range, they can't go out there and lay an egg, just because oh, Orlando's giving up on the season. Well, if you lose that game to Orlando because you played your backups, now you go from seven to nine. And now you got to scrap the next day because you got you know somebody else coming into town. So now you got. But even back, but even back to your other point, you brought up like how many times has that lower team won or whatever the case may be, and obviously it didn't happen a lot. So you're still wasting my time. You're just putting on another basketball game on TV just to have another basketball game on TV that serves no purpose. Teams, you got thirty teams that have thirty games left. Yep, and how many teams make Nine, the playoffs? That's 900 games. Nine home games that you have. how many teams make the playoffs? Oh, well, at this point, 20. 20 out of 30 teams make the playoffs. Yes, that's excessive. But the problem with that, this is a byproduct of what the NBA players and coaches have created. They created this environment to where you have to be mandated that you play without being mandated that you play. If they just would have played their games, they'd be fine. If they were out, like, listen, I'm not trying to knock these guys. Everybody needs rest. But there's ways to get that. They fly on private jets, like chartered jets, with plenty of space. There's 15 dudes on the team. You call another 15 people on the staff. That's 30 people on an airplane. All the stuff goes in the bottom. They fly. They play their game in Milwaukee. They fly another game in Chicago. Then they get another game in Dallas, and then they fly back to, you know, New York City. 
They didn't go through security and have to waste a bunch of time. They're on a plane. They're probably a massage therapist on the plane. If they need an IV, it's probably a trainer that give them an IV to give them some fluids to help them sleep. They go to a nice hotel, security. They have, most of them will put a gym in their hotel form. They can do their walkthroughs. It's not as if these guys are just taking a bus from Memphis to Detroit and from Detroit to Milwaukee and then on that bus again to play a, a game down in Phoenix. It's like, let's keep it real. They are not being tortured to play basketball. <laughs> so with that being said, you want to rest because you got to play two games back to back. You play 30 minutes. Yes, I get that it's tough. But it's tough on everybody. If you have an ailment, then rest it. Don't play on the first part of the back. It ain't tough to walk to that bank. If your ankle hurts on January 24th, it's not going to be that much better on January 25th. So if you got games on both of those days and you figure, you know what, tomorrow I'm not going to play, then don't play on the 24th. But the NBA is like, listen, you want to do that? Cool. You're going to be fighting for your your playoff life even if you got to play against a 12 seed and you're the 6 seed. You're going to have to play that game. So when do you want to do it? You want to do it on the front end? You want to do it on the back end? You know, the players just got to be accountable like me. You know, I was accountable enough to tell you in the world that I had the Bills and the Rams in the Super Bowl. So who did you have in the Super Bowl when this season started? I had Kansas City. I had Kansas City winning. I, I think I was leaning towards Philly early in the year, so I was like Kansas City, Philly. Um. I still think that's that's my pick. We'll go over that. But 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 at, but at the start of the season, not not it, after the games were played. I'm a Mahomes, I'm a Mahomes guy. Like, I'm no, Mahomes I know, guy. but but we talking about before the season started, during preseason. Not I saw a few games and Philly looked good. Like who before the season started? Well, before the season started, obviously I had Atlanta going to the Super Bowl, so that's all I was focused on because I'm biased. I didn't pick anybody else until it was you know after that. Listen, I'm not going front. I don't care. I didn't want none of these teams to succeed. I wanted my team to succeed, but I know that's that's limited. But um, I definitely didn't have the Rams. I definitely didn't have Green. I had the Rams. I, I did have the Rams. Uh, I was drinking some Kool Aid, you know, and uh, was like, listen, you know, we can. You well, well, not even well, not even with the Bills. Like, like um, I just thought the Rams were good, you know, uh, for whatever reason. I just thought the Rams were good, you know. Um, and okay, yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier. I I I think it was for me the NFC. I didn't see a team that I didn't see a team that made any real moves out of the entire sixteen teams in that conference that were like, oh, this has put them over the top. Because Philly did Philly got uh, AJ Brown, mm-hmm. but normally adding a wide receiver to a non-passing offense doesn't really translate the way it did. Like when you added Randy Moss to Tom Brady that was bananas. Like, that was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. When you added Peyton Manning to Denver, okay, adding that kind of piece to a passing offense made a lot of sense. I didn't think that was going to happen for uh, Philly. I didn't think, uh, I didn't think the Rams would repeat because I thought they barely, like, kind of squeaked through last year. And then they lost Vaughn Miller. They lost OBJ. I think they paid Aaron Donald a hefty amount. He was ready to retire. So I'm not sure how much he was really into it. I'm pretty sure he was into playing football. Right, right. That he didn't want to play. But, I mean, if he was contemplating retirement, if he was seriously like, I think I'm good, 
I think it's, it's it might be kind of hard to come back. From well, that. it's the Roethlisberger. It's the it's the Roethlisberger thing, right? Like if if you're already thinking that you already retired. So I didn't think any. Like I said, I didn't think any any of his well, teams. I like I like the Bobby Wagner. I didn't like chance move in San Francisco, so I didn't want to pick them. Well, you know, I like the Bobby Wagner pickup. You know, um, he's not the same player as Von Miller as far as what he brings to the table, but he's a vet that is a great player in his own right. And I just thought that if you could lose, if you're going to lose Von Miller, you could do a lot worse than plugging in with Bobby Wagner. Um, You know, nobody could stop Cooper Cup. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care who the quarterback is, for whatever reason, Cooper Cup just always open. He's always, you know, getting 10 yards a pop. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, what I didn't expect was that their run game was going to be so awful. That's that's where, you know, I got caught off guard a little bit. Um, I don't think it was ever good, though. No, it wasn't ever like like a staple, but it wasn't it was better than this. You know, um, Stafford, you, you know, I thought I thought that I thought that Stafford having whatever monkey off his back that he had you know, would just unlock a different kind of confidence that he didn't have before. Um, as far as Buffalo goes, I didn't look at Josh Allen and say, this is the team. You know, I just looked at them collectively. Like I told you earlier, you know, the last three years, second best defense, third best defense, second best defense. So I was like, hey, Buffalo, remember the other day, uh, San Francisco is the most complete team in the NFL. And oh. all right, Dallas is right there. So I, so in the beginning of the season, I was like, yo, Buffalo's the most complete team. That was my thought. They don't run the ball. I know. They have talent, all. though. They, they have talent run at running back, run though. Play. They don't run the ball. They don't. They don't. They you don't. You cannot win the championship if you don't run the ball. They, they, they don't. The guy they, that you do run the ball with, he can't get hit a lot because he needs his arm and, and hip and everything. And else. I think, and I think that, and I think that that's the misnomer because people assume that Kansas City can't run the ball. Like Kansas City can run the ball. And have them like six or seven yards. Yeah, they just don't do it a lot, but they can. If they, if the game calls for them to do it, they will do it. They can do it. If they play San Francisco in the Super Bowl and we get that rematch, you know, Kansas City's going to have to run the ball to keep them honest. You know, um, if if San Francisco plays Cincinnati or whatever the case may be, like, Mixon going to have to run the ball. Like, that's just the way that it works. So those two teams can run the ball if necessary. You know, Buffalo is more of that charger vein where they – they I, I believe they don't practice the run game. Like, I, yeah. I, think they, I think they just go out and practice and they find different concepts. How can I get the receiver open – in less than two seconds, because everybody knows that we're passing and we gotta get the ball out. So, so, so I mean, I get it. Look at how did like I I went to SportsIllustrated.com. Yeah, like yeah. Eight eight different people. Uh, Albert Breer, Connor Orr, Greg Bishop, uh, Michael Rosenberg. I Andrew. Oh dang, I wasn't even going to name people. Uh, jump. So I got I got a bunch of names. So I want to their picks. Seven out of eight of them picked Green Bay to represent the NFC. Why? Because they lost Devontae. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, I guess Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs. You know, with Devontae like, Adams. They got, they got, but but see, Green Bay's the same thing. They got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, but they don't run enough. Well, they they weren't dynamic enough on the outside. That was a knock that because everyone we were in our group chat, 
in our group, uh, someone used the phrase, Patrick Mahomes is going to get exposed this year without Tyreek Hill. And I was like, what evidence do you have to say that Patrick Mahomes was not going to play well without Tyreek? It's not what like does that he, even look he, like? It just, like what, it, what does exposing Patrick Mahomes even look like? He would throw for... 3,900 yards, 4,900. Like, I mean, that's the only thing I can really think of. He would throw for 32 touchdowns. I mean, I don't know. 32 touchdowns instead of 40. <laughs> it's like, you you don't watch Kansas City play football if you think that. And on top of that, we had like four games where he didn't play with Tyreek Hill, and he had like a passer rating like 130. He had like 1,100 yards in those four games. There's some crazy numbers. Like, we already have information. Like, yes, Tyreek Hill this year, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, it would have been it would have been bananas because what he did for Tua was was out was out. Well, yeah, I was gonna say to be fair, you know, Tyreek Hill did all right without Mahomes too. Yeah, um, it, but listen, I wish Atlanta would have given him thirty million dollars a year <laughs> to run run those routes because, like I said, that slant route he took against Buffalo last year when he caught when he caught the little slant route going out and then turn back around, and I'm like, that's that doesn't happen in real life. Like, grown men right, right, right. didn't look like children chasing the ice cream truck when Tyree Hill's running the slant back across the field after he caught it. So I just think that people just fell in love with making the same picks. I had so many, so many of these guys pick Bills versus Green Bay. One guy had Russell Wilson winning the MVP. I'm like, so you got him winning MVP, but you don't have – so you got him going to Denver, playing so well that they win MVP with their total package of team. Everyone says the defense, offense, and the passing, yada, yada, yada. Right. But they don't beat Buffalo, who doesn't run the ball at all. There, there was definitely a lot of either Denver or the Chargers are going to win the AFC West. There was a lot of that. Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost an AFC West game on the road his entire career. And everybody, I don't know what it I'll is. Here, Denver was gonna beat them. I don't know what it is, but like people seem every year, I feel like a weird amount of people pick the Ravens to win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl too. And, Had and a couple. I, of- I don't have no reason to ever believe. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like you heard me say what I said about the Ravens the other day, but I never really ever think that the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. No. You know, um, so I went to ESPN. I didn't name names. I didn't have any names, but I went to ESPN. And they took 32 commentators. I know some of them are like David Pollack. Kimberly Martin was on there. I remember her name. You know, so it was just like a little mixture of people. And out of the 32 commentators that they chose to do this, 21 picked Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl. 21. 18 of that 21 chose Buffalo to win the Super Bowl, of course, with Josh Allen as the Super Bowl MVP. So I was I was thinking about this, right? I was looking at it, and I said, okay, 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 okay. I said, all these people picked Buffalo. So with the next team that has the most people picking them to go to the Super Bowl, in my mind, I was like, it got to be Kansas City, right? Like, it got to be Kansas City. If you it had- was Green Bay. Oh, yeah, Green Bay? It was Green Bay. They picked Green Bay 10 times to go to, or 10 people picked Green Bay to go to the Super Bowl. And but but this is the weird part. So you picked Green Bay to go to the Super Bowl, which was already stupid to begin with. And hey, I picked the Rams, so I'm stupid too. But you were stupid for picking Green Bay. So <laughs> so, so 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 but 
y'all didn't even have, as you know, Skip Bayless would say, you didn't even have the conviction because only two of you picked Green Bay to win it. So ten of y'all picked them to get there. Only two picked them to win. So when did Buffalo become this juggernaut? I told you why. I told you. I told you. Kansas City was the boogeyman. You know, but they the just boogeyman had, didn't go anywhere. Literally, literally, I think that most of us that picked Buffalo literally said we literally thought that Kansas City is the only team that's going to get in Buffalo's way. That's what we probably thought. At least that's what I thought. Like I thought Buffalo was going to beat everybody else in the AFC, you know, except for Kansas City. I literally thought that. I was wrong, obviously, but that's what I thought. Yeah, I'm man enough to admit when I'm wrong. Yeah, and a lot a lot of people were wrong. It's you know, and but so so so, they did a they did a poll, and their top five: Bills, Chargers, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and tied for fifth: Colts, KC, and Philly. See, what I did know is that I wasn't going to pick Tampa Bay. I did know that, you know. um, But I wouldn't have picked Tampa Bay for the same reason I wouldn't have picked Green Bay. You got an older quarterback. Less targets because Godwin didn't start off the year because I think he tore his ACL late, like November. December. Yeah, he played week one against Dallas and then he got hurt again, and so he missed a few more games. And then you had the coaching changes. Yeah, but Mike yeah. Evans got but Mike Evans got his thousand yards. You know that's 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 a thing. So <laughs> but we'll, we'll let that for another well, day. Well, I was looking, I was looking to see the teams that are left in the playoffs right now, the four teams that are left. So I told you about Buffalo already. So there was one person that picked Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl, you know, in that 32 person ESPN panel. Did nobody pick the 49ers to win? Nobody picked the Eagles to win. And there were two people that picked Kansas City to win. So yeah, and that's the thing with football. It's if all of you are picking the same teams, you should reevaluate why you picked that team. Because it's it never who picked. I want to know the person who went to FanDuel and bet Rams versus Bengals in the Super Bowl. Right. I don't think that conversation occurred at all. <laughs> Maybe it was the mattress dude. I don't know. Probably. I don't just drop like two million on Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, so, so 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 I looked at CBS. Um, I don't remember these names, but I went to CBS and I took a different approach because um, we all have our preseason Super Bowl picks. So I said, okay, who did they have at midseason? You know, like we had games in the wins and loss column. Now that you're seeing the game, because as the season went on, Obviously, I had to adjust the Rams, right? Yeah, you, you started to see who who lost yeah. players, whose quarterback had bad elbows. Yeah, had- right. So I ended up so I ended up with Bills and 49ers, you know, at my midseason point. So I stayed with Buffalo. I, I rode it all the way through because they beat Kansas City and Arrowhead, and I was a believer, you know. But uh, so on CBS midseason, I ran into Bills. So it was five guys. So Bills over Cowboys. Bills over 49ers, which was the same one that I had midseason. Eagles over the Chiefs, so we that's still alive. Still alive. Uh, Chiefs over the Cowboys. And another Bill over, Bills over 49ers. So if I would have read these articles in real time, 
like you said, I might have thought about it because this ain't college football. Like college football is a little obvious. Like the NFL isn't obvious like this. So I probably would have looked at it a little bit differently. Yeah, because I get that people have these picks, but I remember watching a lot of these shows and the picks, like you said, you you didn't say it with conviction because you had all these caveats. Mm-hmm. If this happens, if he can last this, if this, if this, and I get, yeah, understandable. There's always caveats. But I there. would, I would but like the record like, to show. Your, like your, your basic, your basic makeup of your team. I didn't see Green Bay in the Super Bowl. I didn't see Tampa right. Bay in the Super Bowl. They, they, right. Their quarterbacks are 38, 39, and 45, 44, 45. That's when they, they um, and they lost key players. I didn't see Buffalo because I just think that they just ran. Josh Allen's usage rate was too much. Okay. And Chargers because I just think <laughs> that uh, I just think that Brandon Staley just I think he goes for it. I think he he loses you games. I think I felt like he was going to lose a couple of games going forward on fourth down too much. Every game against Kansas City, he always tries to out fourth down them instead of just like you know what, take the three points. I Go and seven. I do want the record to show though that I did pick the Rams to win the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> you did? Yeah, preseason. Even though our Stafford talk we had in the group. Yeah, because I, I just I just believed in their defense. You know, once they got Von Miller, I was like, hey, you know, like this is it. You know, and Matt Stafford still ain't a Hall of Famer in my book, but we'll talk about that another day. I want seven hundred and fifty um, bucks for that game doing Super Bowl squares. Because that's yeah. like, of course, I was upset about the penalty call. Because I was like, come on, that's a bogus penalty call. But when a touchdown got scored in the Super Bowl squares, I won. Yeah, 750. What would be the conversation right now if Cincinnati had won the Super Bowl last year? Who's next, Mahomes or Burrow? Could like, have been the Josh Allen conversation. Like, it's so crazy how, like, you know, one result, even though Burrow still got there, even though like, cause I mean, realistically, you know, he didn't even play his rookie year very much. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like early on four or five games in. Yeah. 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 So this is like super impressive. Cause you know, Mahomes had the thing where he won MVP, you know, he went to all the AFC championship games, won the Super Bowl. But Burrow, like, ain't necessarily that far behind. You know, it provided that Burrow wins this weekend. Like, and this, he's such a guy you can root for. Like, I think the thing that made me, like, one of the things that made me like him is when, I think, senior night in, at LSU, he spelled Burrow on the back of his jersey, like, the way they spell it down, like, Creole. Yeah. Like, R-E-A-X. That's just dope. That's, yeah. You could just tell it was like you could just tell he really like embodied like that school and that year. Yeah, I saw I saw words like that just to get around. I saw words like that just to get around Zuckerberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that was dope. Uh, I think what he said about because everyone's upset about the logistics of getting the game to Atlanta if Buffalo had won. And it was like, Joe, all week long, they were talking about uh, the game being at a neutral site. And he just leaned in and said, better send out those refunds. I mean, like, something that simple. It's like, he didn't say, no one believed in us. He just was simple, hands in his little warmer. He was like, better send out those refunds. It's just like, 
like that just makes you yes. the, the cigars. Mm-hmm. I like the cigars in the locker room. I just think that people, I think that his team likes him, which yes. makes me like him even more. I don't know if all these other guys have the locker room the way that he does. I can that tell you who they, don't. With, with Jefferson and uh, what's the boy name? I'm drawing a blank. His wide receiver. You talking about uh, from Minnesota? No, yeah, his handshake with Chase. Yeah, him and Chase and their handshake. It was like a. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was like a video. It was like a video they did of them in the championship game, like coming out of the tunnel and the handshakes. And somebody, I saw a video. Somebody posted said, "Yo, if this isn't a new NCAA intro video, I don't know what is." <laughs> it, just something about like like it just has like like real credible, tangible charisma that you know people galvanize around. So. Like I said, I want Patrick Mahomes to win. I I, I like him, but it, with the bad ankle, but you know, so, that's so, work out. But so we'll just, do so, so just so just so America has it clear, you don't want Brock Purdy to win. Listen, <laughs> Brock Purdy's already locked up. He's good to go. Trey Lance will be in Tennessee or in Tampa Bay or something next year. They'll make a deal. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike Brock Purdy. I'm just, I just want you to earn your, your acclaim, especially from people who are in these environments. These writers that say, oh, I've worked for the Dallas Daily News since 1988, or I've worked in Cleveland since this year. So you have all this information all these years of being on the road with these teams and these players and coaches and doing these interviews. And it seems like every year you guys fall for the cheese and just go all in, just trying to be the first one to say, I told you it was going to be great. When there's like great players performing at a high level and it's like, what about them? So it's not like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't have a knock on Brock Purdy. I just think that his, his, the star is 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 a little too high, all, and Taylor Hurts going to shut that down this weekend. All I all I know is to start the 2023-2024 NFL season, I'm deleting everybody off of all my platforms that pick the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. That's all I know. You, we done with the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl. Like it's one of those well, things that they lost. I think the Cowboys are a good team. I think they're a good team every. I don't think they're a Super Bowl I think, team. I think people dislike the fact that you select them for the Super Bowl because that means you're supporting the fans, who are. I won't use obnoxious because it's dismissive. They are zealous. Because I went to an NFL draft when it was here in Philly. And it was a guy next to me. We were in the row, and I was watching him run back and forth, Cowboys fans. So we're in Philly. He's, you know, he's loud and ch- chopping it up, which is what you expect. I looked at his arm. I saw the Dallas star, and I saw a Super Bowl champion, and then I saw the year. And I was like, uh, like come here. Called him over. It was the Super Bowl that had just passed that Philly had won, like Super Bowl 51 or something like that. I'm like, you got that tattooed on you? He's like, listen, man, we were feeling good. I think they had like, they had a, they had a good run that year. I think they were at double digit wins. They were one of the first teams to get the double digit wins. He's like, man, I just was feeling it. So I sat down and got the tattoo. And it's like that 
is that I think that's the reason why people don't like the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl talk because you have fans who get it tatted on themselves mid-season. Not everybody. If you're a Cowboys fan, just get the old ones that are already locked in. Like, hey, we got these Super Bowls. I think they got five overall as a franchise. Mm -hmm. Just get those. And then people can be like, but it's like, yes, I'm going to get another one when we win another one. I mean, and if it never happens, at least you have the five you actually have and not a huge tattoo that I saw from 20 feet away. You know, not everybody can be Jason Terry, you know. You know. Oh, obviously. <laughs> as I was talking, I was thinking about that tattoo. Yeah, you know, my finals MVP that didn't get it because his name ain't Dirt. But anyway, um, you know, so so I was I was looking at somebody's list and it didn't stop there. It was like some of these like people were just reaching like they want like you said they just wanted to kind of be right so i saw kansas city can't push back right but then when i see kansas city against new orleans i saw one of those too i was like hold up man like first of all james winston got hurt this season but even if james winston didn't get hurt this season they were starting james winston this season I don't know how you pick him to be a Super Bowl. Bro, if I see Jameis Winston in the Super Bowl, I hope we get it. I'm booking Even my if, flight to Antarctica. I'm going. No, I'm going to the Super Bowl party. Crab <laughs> legs. We're gonna have a great time. <laughs> I'm going to Antarctica because if he gets to the Super Bowl, then global warming then took over for real. Man, I'm going wherever Jameis. If this Super Bowl and Jameis Winston's in it, okay, he's a backup. We going. We eat this W. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because that's prime time. Like you need personalities. A lot of these guys have any personality. It's like, well, yeah. You, and then you need some crazy guys like Jameson there. Yeah, you definitely do. And then you know, so one that I saw that, like, I was just like mind blown. And this is coming from the dude that picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. I saw the L.A. Super Bowl. I saw that. I uh, think who had that? I think Shannon Sharp had that. They were trying to do the Subway Series in L.A. And I said, I know y'all ain't getting away with that. Like, nobody truly believes that. You might want that, but nobody truly believes. Like, even if you do believe, like me, that the Rams were going to get there, you there's no way I'm believing that you thought both L.A. teams were going to get there. That just sounds too good. Yeah. But as far as, like, personnel... You weren't far off. A healthy Chargers team had the personnel to make those plays. Defensively, they had Bosa and Mack, and they have a good safety in the back end. I, I'm not sure if their linebacking core has anyone elite. Like, I don't want to, like, I mean, I think these guys are all elite athletes, but I don't think they right, have right, right. all pro candidate linebackers. But I know it's safety, and on your two wins up front, you do. Um, I think. Offensive line, they had this, they got, they drafted a guy Slater, so they had they were big up front. I think Justin Herbert is a, I think he's a good quarterback. Yeah, I, he is. I just think people want him. I think people want to look at his numbers and and call them great. But everybody of, is always looking for who's next. Like let him get let him get his shot. I think it's, it's we've been spoiled by quarterbacks because Mahomes came right out the gate. Um, Garoppolo went back and forth with New England, but when he got healthy in San Francisco and they got the team together, he made a run. 
Joe Burrow made a run. Josh Allen's been, you know, entertaining. I mean, the, the cannon, the running, the jumping over people, the personality, Buffalo is back. You know, so I think we've been kind of – Trevor Lawrence has kind of came along. So I think we've just been kind of spoiled with these quarterbacks. Well, well you know – so People want to pick the next guy. It, yeah, it goes back to our Luca conversation. Like, you're just – like, we're just trained to try to be first to claim that we saw it. Like, you know, J- Jason Tatum is Kobe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for the last two years, the argument has been – is Tatum better than Brown? Like, this is just what we do. Like, you know, yeah. like, as sports fans. Not a basketball player, like, physically, Jason Tatum is, this this current NBA era is the, the size player you want. 6'8", six, 6'9", six, long, can handle the ball, shoot, dribble, drive. That's the, that's the guy. Everyone wants that kind of guy. And I think people just want him to be better because they're looking like he can handle the ball like Kobe. Right. He's the same height as LeBron. He can switch on to Bam out of Bayou, but can also, you know, defend Tyler Hero. Like, he just, they just, I think, like I said, I think people just want, everybody wants the next great player. Right. Because current ones are getting older. And let me clear that up. Let, and, 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 and let me clear that up. I'm not banging on Jason Tatum. I'm actually a Jason Tatum fan. He did play bad in the finals, but a lot of people play bad in their very first finals. So I'm not trying to bang on the dude. I was just making an observation, but I want to know what's on your chest. You know what, man? I'm still, I'm still like, the coaching hires, I know we talk about it a lot. I'm just, every single day, either you send me something or... I just something I just stumble upon it, but you sent me the message today that they were interviewing Mike Kafka in Indianapolis, and I'm like, how is it that all field coordinators the head coach he calls the plays? This team wasn't like offensively dynamic. Not like Saquon Barkley went out there and had sixteen, seventeen hundred yards. 12, 13 touchdowns, and Daniel Jones had 4,200 yards passing, 27, 28 touchdowns. They had, they had regular numbers. What did you do? What did they see that I didn't see that says this guy's ready to be the head coach? You bet off keeping Jeff Saturday. It just, it does, it just, it bothers me when these guys have top talent on the team and they're just basically in the shadows of the head coaches calling all the shots and then they get a job. I think Eric Benemy should stay in Kansas City because I think that's his best shot because as long as Patrick Mahomes is there, the two of you, no matter who it is, you can make that work as long as you keep Kelsey and those players. Eventually all that's going to run out. But I'd rather run the well dry in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and being if I was being me waiting on Andy Reid after he wins the Super Bowl goes off in the sunset versus going to a team like Houston or the Colts whatever the case may be so I understand that but he should if you're going to hire an offensive coordinator from any team in football that should be your guy because he calls the plays he designs the plays he calls them yes Mahomes miraculously executes the plays but these other guys that are getting jobs, their players are just 
three yards in a cloud of dust and they're getting offensive jobs or they're not even the guy calling the plays. They're the guy next to the guy that keeps the quarterback entertained, i.e. Nathaniel Hackett, and getting the job. And we saw how it worked out. It's like everyone's ignoring. Like we have information that shows that this is not working when you don't hire the guy who doesn't come up with the game plan to then and be in charge of your entire game plan, all three phases. And then a lot of these guys, maybe they lobby to get some kind of GM role. Don't do that. But we have enough information to show that if you aren't the guy designing the game plan, what makes me think as an owner, I'm going to hire you now, you're going to be able to do all of this because you sat next to Bill Belichick for some years. Or you sat in the room with Aaron Rodgers where he broke down what he did on film and you just absorbed that information. You didn't break it down for him. Because I can tell because you would have known to call a timeout on fourth and five and come up with a better play instead of kicking a 64-yard field goal. I mean, like, stuff like that. Like, you would know that intrinsically if you weren't one of these offensive coordinators getting hired on because the team has success and you were just part of the staff. The same thing with the Buffalo, uh, Ken Dorsey. Oh, he's going to be the next. How? What did they do with the run game? They had Hines, Cook, and Singletary. Three dynamic, catch the ball out of the backfield backs, fast, returning punts, kickoffs, whatever case may be. What was that game plan look like? To show me one play that Buffalo ran where they had both of those guys in the backfield. Show me the play where Diggs is not getting the ball. All right, we got this play. If Justin Jefferson wanted the ball in Minnesota, they're bringing him to the backfield. And a runner route from him out of the backfield, get him a quick toss, get his ball, get the, hand, the ball in his hands, let him go. Odell Beckham Jr., when he was in Cleveland, they gave him the toss sweeps. They gave him the little touch passes. Same thing with Tyree Hill, Antonio Brown when he's in Tampa Bay. Like you design plays for the players that you have, and it looks like okay, this person's actually putting work into this. Kellen Moore, what does he do? I had, like I said, I had the over under bet. Zeke's supposed to get eleven and a half yards receiving. Got nine. You can't get a check down. Like you don't have any. You have nothing. All this space, fifty-two and a half yards wide. And you just thrown it to CeeDee Lamb. Just like you you have nothing. So when you become the head coach, you're Josh McDaniels. Just terrible. Because you really you're really not doing anything. You're just riding the coattails of a good coach and a great quarterback. And you're getting these jobs. So the Colts are my dad's favorite team, so I want them to make the right hire. So I'm just a little passionate about that because they they butchered football operations for thirty six months. Uh. <laughs> that's just me I'm back I'm back I'm back on a hiring thing because it's like Houston why Houston why are you looking at anybody other than D'Amico Ryans I don't even know why you putting out other reports you just go ahead and tell his agent listen man we got five years six million a year I don't know I don't know what else are you looking for Houston has a good defense Maybe he can hire one of these offensive coordinators or whatever, and maybe, but like, don't make me head coach. This guy designs a defensive game plan. Cal Shanahan's not a defensive coach, he's an offensive coach. Robert Sala in New York, he was the defensive coordinator. He's, he's making ways. He just, he has to figure out what to do with Zach Wilson. So that's just my two cents, like these, these hires and these interviews. They've interviewed like 15 people. Come on, man. 15 people. You need 15 first dates. 
that's that's just me. It's like it just it's not it's not a black coach thing. It's not too many white coaches. It's just what are you seeing on film that says I think this guy is our guy because I'm not seeing it. So so what was that uh what was that uh Giants uh point stat you gave me earlier? I don't like this is the thing. I don't recall them scoring more than 29 points in any game all year. Yeah, and they did, but it was just the one playoff game against Minnesota. That was the only game. That's it. All right. All right. So, you know, as you can see, he had a lot to get off his chest. It wasn't just one team. It wasn't just one hire. You know, like nobody's even been hired yet, and he's still mad. Mad. We be mad. We take this stuff seriously, man. So uh, what I want to get off my chest is the word overrated. People have bastardized this word. I hear it. You know, just like just like everything, everything I hear nowadays is either overrated or woke. Those are like the two buzzwords that everybody says. They don't even say socialism no more. You know, just overrated and woke. You know, but anyway, everybody and everything cannot be overrated. Like, literally, I watch games all season. College football is my favorite sport. I watch this stuff all year long. Some team starts out 6-0. and They done beat somebody 35-3, to and then they go lose this week. They were overrated. Overrated because they lost a game. You know, nobody. there's only in the season that we just had, Georgia was the only undefeated team. So is everybody overrated besides Georgia? You know, or if Georgia would have lost to TCU, would they have been overrated? I don't know the parameters and how this works. So if you spend all year telling me that Bama or Georgia is an all-time great team, and your team or my team or somebody's team loses to them, they weren't overrated. You can't be overrated if you lose to an all-time team. By your words. If you're 13 and four in the NFL, the talent is so evenly distributed throughout the league. Some teams make better decisions than others, but each team is somewhat generally in the same ballpark of talent, minus the Texans and the Bears, but you know what I mean. If you're 13 and four in the NFL, even the Cowboys, you are not overrated. It took too much for you to get there. Even with Minnesota, we bang on Minnesota. But they won seven one-score games. That's not an overrated team. You could argue that's a good coach team. Maybe they're not great, but they made the right play at the right time. They are not overrated. They might have been not. Yeah, they lost to the Giants. Maybe they were overrated. But the point is. They were the the greatest Minnesota team. Right, right. I don't think anyone was saying that. Right. If you are the fan of a sorry-ass team, like me being a fan of the commanders. And we went on Monday night football and gave the Eagles their first loss of the season. Don't call the Eagles overrated. If your sorry ass team beat them, because then you're devaluing your own win and showing that all you are is a sorry ass team. You're just sorry. They're not (laughs) overrated. You're just sorry. If you think that they're overrated, because you beat them and it was their first loss of the season. 
you're just a sorry ass team. So overrated, like I said, is the most overused term in sports. And if Jalen Hurts goes out there this weekend and plays what we would consider to be bad against the 49ers, while we just sat up here and tell you all the stats, we tell you what the 49ers do, how they don't let teams score in the fourth quarter, and Jalen Hurts doesn't score in the fourth quarter, do not tell me that Jalen Hurts is overrated. Because it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. You know, finally, I didn't watch these teams like Golden State, whoever. And I hear they're overrated because of the era that they play in. They're overrated because of the competition or whatever the case may be. Look, everybody on that court gets paid. You know, if you win four titles in a seven or eight year window, there ain't no way in hell you overrated. Now, granted, they had some injury luck that, you know, but I mean, if they would have lost those games, you would have still banged on them. So give them the credit for still winning, you know. So the only thing that's overrated is your opinion and your sense of importance. That's what I had to get off my chest. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, come to an end of our latest episode. See, Mike really said it with his chest in that one. Overrated. It's not a worry. Likes. I had an argument with a guy once back in the day. He told me Kurt Warner was overrated. Like, the man came from a grocery store to the NFL, won some MVPs in the Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's overrated, but yeah, people told me Eli Manning was overrated. I'm like, we debate whether he should be in the Hall of Fame or not. How is he overrated? I think people like like we say all the time. It's just it's just lazy, lazy analysts. And that's what they go with. But we here, we give you the real, we give, our, give you the numbers, we give you our opinion, there's just some facts. You know, and as as the weeks go by, as the facts change, so does my opinion. So as, as of right now, uh, my opinion of the show is a good one. I like it. I like how it's going. I appreciate anyone who's tuning in. Um, we're going to keep you, keep you abreast of what we're doing all the time, every week. Like I said, you can follow us at Sports Reports is Ordered on Twitter, or excuse me, on Instagram. You can follow Mike. He's going to give his, his Twitter handle and his Instagram page here in, in a second. But like I said, just uh, like I said, we made it to another episode. Uh, we like this length, so we're going to try to keep it around this length. Good conversation. Um, if you guys want to talk about topics, we're going to try to you know expand as much as we can. Just we just want to let people know, like, hey man, you can you can have this platform and you can talk properly about teams. You can. We don't have to be screaming and saying someone's terrible. We just mm-hmm. use use the information we have, use the facts, and just have a good conversation about sports. Send us questions. Send us questions. You can have a disagreement because we deliberately set up topics that we don't agree on just so we have different opinions. That way I can hear and absorb what he has to say and vice versa. He didn't hear us argue. I didn't tell him that. Ah, we didn't get outraged with it. And we didn't even got to scream. We just got to, like, I got to use the facts to support my pain, use the facts to support his. And then, we you know, we go from topic to topic that way. So, like I said, shout out to Mr. Michael Wilson getting all the stuff set up, um, keeping me on track. He's, like, really running the show over here. I'm just I'm just coming <laughs> in with the, with the energy. When we, I need we, a Rob G, man. <laughs> we might, might be looking for some producers one day. You know, we get picked up by somebody, but that's – but right now, you know, like I said, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, watching this much. We're going to start putting clips out. 
as our social media expands and you know we take time get editing everything together so uh so from Raphael Redley over here in New Jersey Mike you want to give him your where he can find you on social media so I'm on Instagram mldub2525 remember that 25 and then on Twitter two bit reports so I want y'all to know you know hit me up I'd have I don't have thin skin you know we can have some conversations we can argue too you know but on that note shout out the Red Bull shout out the Matt Norlander and Gary Parrish love you America and we're out